0: Hello and welcome to our in-house recruitment podcast in this episode I am joined by the lovely Della Rath, Principal Consultant and Aon Assessment Solutions. Today we're going to be talking through some of the key challenges the opportunities and the issues being faced in our current time of disruption and we will touch on more specifically assessments the rise of virtual assessments how to develop your current employees and how to prepare for the future. Hi Della, thank you so much for joining us today and um, unfortunately it's not in person uh, it would always be nicer to do this uh, type of interview and podcast in person but obviously with the current situation it's not not possible at the moment so um, would you be able to introduce yourself to our listeners
1: and just tell us a little bit more information about you before we get stuck into the questions and so my name is Della Rath I'm an organizational psychologist uh, with Aon Assessment Solutions. So we are known for providing really robust, really um, science-backed online assessments. Um, just for a bit of a background into, into what we do, so we um, assess 40 million candidates um, worldwide. In these times
2: of uh, change and, and uncertainty, uh, what should organizations be doing to combat that face-to-face hiring disruption that they might have going on at the moment?
1: So there are lots of reasons why we can't assess face to face at the moment, but hitting pause and downing tools isn't really an option. We need to keep our candidates in our talent pool. Um, So what we are doing with a lot of our clients, especially recently, is moving those face to face assessments online onto some of our virtual assessment platforms.
2: What tools are out there and can be used to mitigate the need for a face-to-face interview and turn it into a virtual interview?
1: There are lots of tools that that we can use. Um, What we are mainly working with with our clients at the moment is an initial step of um, our off-the-shelf work style behaviours assessments um, and also using some of our cognitive, so our ability assessments that are related to um, good performance and role. Um, And then that next step in the process, which would typically be, you know, an assessment centre or an interview, we are moving that assessment material and moving that step into a virtual environment instead. So how this can work really well is either as a two-way interview. So that's using our virtual assessment platform, whereby you can schedule um, conferencing software to have that two-way interview that you would usually have or um, we can also use our uh, video assessment platform as a one-way interview and why that works really really well especially at the moment is that you can ask candidates to record their responses to the questions and then now that everybody's you know working really flexibly um, managing work around sharing responsibilities it means that you can then go back and look at that interview quite flexibly in your own time assess and score as you usually would what we're also seeing our our clients use is our virtual assessment platform for the assessment centre material itself so exactly like um, a face-to-face assessment centre the candidate logs in they have their timetable they have their um, assessment centre packed which has, you know, their exercises, it may be a case study, so you've got all of your material in there, you know, you might have graphs, you might have um, different documentation around your organisation that you would normally present face-to-face. Then the candidate records their response if it is a one-way interview, one-way assessment centre, or you can actually do that in a a two-way environment as well. So, you know, checking in on the candidate throughout maybe asking disruptor questions if, if that's something that you tend to do face-to-face.
2: There are lots of organisations that are turning and have turned to using virtual assessments. Um, is it as good as like you just mentioned um, that you know, there are the ups of it, but can you really assess someone virtually?
1: I think one of the big benefits of choosing a virtual solution is that it really widens the talent pool so in terms of social mobility and geography so where you may have had candidates who maybe couldn't travel to an assessment center this is really making this very very accept- very very accessible to candidates um another real pro of this approach is that you can provide the candidate with reporting throughout so if you do have an initial stage where there is a behaviors assessment personality assessment assessment of motivations or ability, the candidate is getting a report. So they're getting something for their from for their investment at each stage. So at the online assessment stages, at the um, online assessment centre stages, they can have reporting on their performance, tips on how to develop, um, but also then reporting for the managers as well. So the time that they spend is much more focused. And it's much more high value time rather than um, spending their time in a face to face assessment where often you hear it's it's quite it can be quite frantic. You know, you're kind of wondering, are you where you're supposed to be? Are the candidates where they're supposed to be? What happens if somebody doesn't show up? So a lot of those logistics are much easier to to handle and account for if you use a virtual solution.
0: What about the
2: use of AI in interviewing?
1: Is that something you've experimented with or know much
2: about? Is it something that works or is it just a buzzword?
1: We are also um, incorporating within our VidAssess platform, so our, our video assessing platform, we have the option to use AI to score those, those video interview questions. Um, it has been a really, really effective solution, in particular when you know you have huge volumes of, of candidates coming through. Um, and it is currently a solution that we have rolled out to a number of our clients. Um, I would say probably most, most notably um, the Okado group. So when I spoke with them recently about the, the impact that that was having on their process, um, they basically are able to, they, so the AI scores the interview questions, but they can also go in and, and look at the questions as well um if they also want to have a look and, and see if if they're um, rating consistently but the feedback they gave was you know this in using AI it's been a really really good way of identifying who they want to bring to the next the next round of their um, selection process um, but that also it's freed up a lot of their time um, for more kind of high value activity right because you know, they, they said, like, the, the computer doesn't get tired, whereas if you have huge volumes of video interviews to try and get through, um, it's really good to, have, to know that that's being measured consistently and fairly.
2: So there have been a number of high profile cases where the use of um, tools, technologies such as artificial intelligence has added an element of bias into the process. How do you mitigate
1: that? That's a really good question. And it's something that we are very aware of, which is why when we look at artificial intelligence, um, we take a glass box approach. So in our use of artificial intelligence, we very much um, simulate a competency-based interview um, process. So what it doesn't focus on are all the kind of additional data points, um, like, you know, how somebody is saying things or body language or anything like that what our um, artificial intelligence video interviewing focuses on is what is said so just like a competency-based interview it's and um, pulls out the positive and negative indicators as you would do um, as a human assessor um, but where it can be much better than a human assessor is that it doesn't have any of those biases that we have as humans. So it really is able to really just focus on what is said um, in, in response to, to our bank of, of interview questions.
2: You mentioned the use of a cardo group using uh, the AI software. Do you have other clients that use it as well to,
1: to good success? Yes, we do. We do. So a number of our clients have, have been using um, artificial intelligence uh, in their video interviews. Um some use it alongside uh, raters um almost as a you know a pilot stage to see well how are their raters performing against the, the AI. Um but then we also have clients who use just your traditional video interviewing as well. So either um you know a one-way video interview where they use it to kind of assess you know motivations to give a good picture of of um the organization, realistic job preview. And uh, sometimes, you know, videos showing the people that you might be working with or just like an introduction to the candidate as well.
2: For organisations that are running assessment centres, how would you suggest they move these virtually? What are the first steps?
1: So in terms of moving um, an assessment centre that you would traditionally do face to face online, um, we're doing this a lot with with many of our clients at the moment, um, and in particular, in the last week, there was a client who needed to to run an assessment centre with 80 of their candidates. And um, so this was a global financial services client. Um, so they had 80 candidates to assess and didn't want to delay the process because in delaying the process, you know, you're you're delaying your your talent that you you may very well miss out on. Um, but also they wanted to. Uh, you know, manage the expectations of those candidates as well, and make sure that if that they were due to come into an assessment center on a certain date that they could still fulfill that promise so within a very short time period, we use the assessment material that they would have administered face to face and we put that on our virtual assessment center platform so it's exactly the same as the candidate coming in uh, face-to-face. They see all the same material. It's just a virtual version of it now. So in the case of um, a one-way interview, the candidate completes the material, they record their responses, and then the assessor can go in and, and um, assess and, and uh, provide a score in the same way that they would have.
0: So for hiring managers
2: and recruiters, conducting an online interview might be slightly different. Do you have any tips or tricks that you could uh, could share with these guys?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean I think it's it's more and more important to have those touch points. so check in with the candidates, make sure that they know what to expect. if it's going to be a video interview, make sure that they know that the you know they will be expecting to have the video on. Um, but apart from that I would say just you know be yourself. you are your organization's shop window at the end of the day so you know be yourself show empathy to the candidate this is a a new experience for them as well so I would say you know smile use your icebreakers as you normally would put the candidate at ease um, and then really just follow best practice as you would with any interview so make sure that you're super prepared make sure that you're not distracted I think um, a lot of the time uh, even if you're if you're um, doing a, a video call you know you get distracted by your own image or you know you might get distracted by an email popping up so make sure that you know all distractions are to a minimum and just set the candidate's expectations so you know tell them that you will be taking notes the the usual the usual best practice stuff that you would that you would account for if it was a face-to-face interview so Della
2: there are a number of organizations who have unfortunately had to put a hiring freeze on at the moment and should these organizations be looking at their existing employees to fill the roles that they still need to fill
1: yeah i think this is a, a really important one and it's something that's becoming you know more and more important when we think about disruption to the world of work um so you know the the fourth industrial revolution is very much here so we need to be thinking about well you know what are the roles of the future and how we fill those um and i think it's it's always a good idea to to look within it's becoming more and more important to really you know assess your workforce and know know about the talent that you have already. Um, and by that, I mean it's kind of looking at the looking at the attributes, looking at the behaviors that will make your employees' future ready. So I mean we're seeing it more and more within the last weeks, but are they adaptable? Can they learn? Can they adapt to new ways of working? Are they, you know, curious enough and, and able to learn in terms of new skills that may be required? And um, so, in terms of new roles, where companies may traditionally have um, looked externally, absolutely look internally, know the know the the talent that you have at your disposal now.
2: What kind of assessments are there for you to measure these? types of new skills and identify the people who can easily change and adapt to different roles?
1: I think a lot of the time we um, default to skills because, you know, we think of future roles and we think of, you know, tech talent or we think of coding ability. Um, Whereas actually those skills tend to have quite a short half-life. So what we need to be looking at are behaviours because, you know, when skills, they're they're not, um, so skills are temporary. Um, but behaviours are enduring. So we would tend to look at a behavioural assessment. So looking at your your work styles, um, and in particular looking at personality traits, um, like curiosity, learnability, and agility so do you have a workforce Do you have individuals who are adaptable who are adaptable to change you can adapt to change
2: and how do you identify potential in employees that you might look to move up into a leadership or managerial role
1: so i think our our definition of high potential needs to change it's something that if we're going to focus on behaviors it needs to be something that is far more inclusive um, and doesn't just rely on experience. I think you know, the days of um, sitting in one role for 10 years and then becoming, automatically becoming partner, it's just not really, um, it's not really the way things are going. Um, so I think our definition of high potential needs to be far more based on, on behaviors that make people high potential. So taking a more data-led view um, using assessments to really identify um, the, the behaviours of your people who will be um, high potentials. I think traditionally we have relied on subjective data or um, just on performance metrics um, and I think we're now seeing a shift towards um, looking at potential in a different way.
2: And Della, what do we need from the leaders of the future?
1: So I think leadership is something that we have seen a real change in in recent years. I think traditionally a leader was the subject matter expert. Um, but now what, the, what we have identified as as good leadership for the future, especially in times of change, is for leaders to be change agents and to have the humility to facilitate the expertise around them more so than needing to be that subject matter expert themselves. Um, And it's harnessing technology to drive innovation forward. Um, I think what we are seeing, especially in the last few weeks, is that this type of leadership is becoming more and more important because more than ever, we've needed to have um, advocates of technology, advocates of change, rather than just kind of um, you know, waiting for this to blow over, we need to we need to have leaders who have that kind of humility to know these are the people who know um how best to proceed and and surrounding themselves facilitating those those discussions and making those decisions.
2: And and Dan, are there any specific assessments to that you can use to look at different behaviours that you have internally? that you could move to to change to that different role that you've currently got a hiring freeze
1: on? So we have um, what we call a pathfinder solution. So this takes a two-step approach to to look at what it is that makes the roles that you're trying to fill um, unique, what it takes to be successful in those roles, and then assessing your current workforce to be able to figure out who within your current workforce would be best placed to then shift into these roles now that might mean that there might be an element of upskilling or reskilling um, but with our Pathfinder tool we can tell well will actually you know within your workforce who has the propensity to to be most suitable to um to learning these new skills um, to having the right mindset and right behaviour is to be successful in these new roles. Once this
2: period of disruption and uncertainty has ended, what advice would you give to both HR and talent acquisition on how to resume the the state? So,
1: so I, I think my advice would be prepare for the next one. So I think what we're seeing at the moment is a huge amount of disruption, but it is to be expected. Um, you know, with the, the fourth industrial revolution, we're, we're seeing things change at pace. I know at the moment it's an exceptional situation that we have to make changes. We have to respond very, very quickly. But I would say that once things do get back to normal, we can expect more of the same. I think disruption is just a, an eventuality where the only constant is change. Um, and to prepare for that, I do think that we need to be focusing on Assessing our workforce, knowing that we have the right people to be prepared, and to respond in the same way when needed. So to respond in an agile way, um, and to to be prepared for change.
2: You mentioned uh, agility as a behaviour. There
1: is there are there any other
2: behaviours uh, that you might look to in employees uh, to combat this disruption in the future?
1: I, I think agility is is a really important one. You know things are constantly changing around us, um, and it's being able to make the most of that, being able to adapt, being able to innovate while things are changing, and that's why it's really important to now be looking at the ways that we're using technology, and even in terms of you know recently the the flexible working has has really changed things for people, Um, and I think that's something that that may continue that now people know that we can continue to work flexibly, um, in an agile way. Um, and that's what makes humans so incredible. That from one day to the next, things change, and we we get on with it, and we continue to be productive and continue to to work really really well. And um, other behaviours that we look for are that learnability factor. So not just being um, being happy with the way things are at the moment, but having an intellect intellectual curiosity to wonder, okay, well, what's next, and to really you know think about why we do the things that we do Um, so not just being happy with this is this is the work that I'm doing but understanding the bigger picture understanding the context which means that in understanding that kind of strategic view we are it's much easier then to to work smarter um, and to work more effectively. There
2: are a number of HR publications and also the wider media outlets that is saying that digital transformation and the future of work um, is here. Do you think that's true?
1: Absolutely, it's true that the future of of work is now. I think it was um, 2017 where it was was named the year of the robots. So that was the year where every single publication said, you know, the robots are coming, look busy, they're coming for your jobs. Um, But where we are seeing that change is yes, jobs are changing technology is is changing the roles that we do in a way it's it's a really positive change because it's freeing us up for more high value activity. Um, but yes I would absolutely agree that the the future is now um but it's never the the future of work is never going to be a finite thing. it's going to continue to. To change and adjust which is why it's so important that we continue to to adapt while it changes.
2: Are there any tools available to help leaders prepare for the next five years and beyond or is that just too far away?
1: I think looking to the next five years I think if anybody tells you that they can predict what the next five years is going to look like I would question where they're where they're getting that from because you know if you had told me a month ago things would have changed as, as much as they now have, I probably wouldn't have believed you. Um so it's it's there are so many things now that just aren't possible, it's not possible to control for, it's not possible to imagine what the next five years will look like in terms of skills, in terms of technology, in terms of even job architecture. But what we can do is make sure that. In terms of our workforce, we are um, assessing our workforce in a way that we know where we where's the best place people. We know um, the the attributes, the skills, the abilities of our workforce, so that we can then identify well what it is that we need for our roles in the future, um, and how best to to use the people that we have. I think it is important to know the skills the attributes the behaviors and the abilities of our future workforce
0: amazing thank you so much for joining us today dela it was really interesting to get your insights and hear a little bit more about um, what you guys over at Aon assessment are doing and um, but also what some of your clients are doing as well and where you see that moving in the future so thanks very much for joining us and for everyone else we hope to see you on the next episode Thanks for listening everyone. For more insights surrounding in-house recruitment, talent acquisition or even HR, do head over to our in-house recruitment.co.uk website where we have a whole host of other resources and events for you to get stuck into.